place for you to come and invest yourself and your time in uh, these services. <clears throat> uh, this being my last evening service, I, I have the privilege of sharing in. Um, I want to just mention, uh, we did get a bunch of, and some of you have been back to our table. Uh, we did run out of some books, um, but we just got a shipment in today from UPS, and uh, we're kind of restocked uh, full of books back there again. And uh, so, please, we'd, we'd love to help you. If there's anything you want to take home with you, we'd love to just help you, encourage you to stay in the Word as you go home from camp meeting. That's, in my life, that's the key to what continues camp meeting in my life and in my heart is being into the Word. Uh, so whether it's a teenager here tonight or an adult, um, we do everything on donation basis. And so uh, we, we'd love to just give it to you and, and send it home with you in any way we can. I invite you to turn to John 17. <clears throat> I'll have more to say tomorrow morning with uh, my last opportunity to share. And we're, we're praying and looking forward to a great service tomorrow night with Dr. Whiteford, Sunday morning. Uh, this is... Uh, this is my last uh, opportunity to share in the evening. Is it okay I share my favorite sermon for last tonight? This is uh, maybe because it's so new to me. This is up to where I am in my study in John 17. This is right up to the end. And uh, it's in verses 11 through 13 if you have your Bible tonight. There's something that um, is identified here that Jesus is experiencing himself that uh, I have found to be already uh, life-changing and revealing insight and, and absolutely life-shaping. Just begin in verse 11. <clears throat> Jesus says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the Son Scripture may be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus, thank you for the amazing, astounding, I hesitate to use the word possibility tonight because it's not just a possibility, it's a promise of what we can have in you. As we've heard from Dr. Whiteford, as we've heard from Dr. Gary Cockrell and the astounding, uh, impressive, amazing Bible studies. Thank you this morning that you are the one who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a pipe dream. It's not pie in the sky by and by. It's the promise of the Spirit. And tonight, Jesus, if there was ever a people that needed all that you could be in them, it's us tonight. There's been nobody ever in the history of this world that's needed it more than us. We come tonight needy. We come tonight desperate. We come tonight for you to do something in this that will change our lives forever. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. There's something about, uh, <clears throat> we see in the verses, in the prayer, in the life of Jesus that speaks to the idea of what I would call transitions. You know what transitions are? Transition is change. It's uh, adjustment, transition. I think you would agree with me tonight that transitions are hard and transitions are stressful. Can I get an amen on that? In the, in the 1960s, two psychiatrists named Holmes and Ray did an extensive study with 5,000, yes, 5,000 of their patients. And they learned from these 5,000 patients and all of these interviews, um, they found in common certain life changes that are common to us as human beings. You know, all the life changes that there are. It's death in the family and a new baby being born and the, a job change or losing a job, a change in income, moving or 
experiencing something new. We've all experienced those common life transitions. And Holmes and Ray, in their study, by learning the commonality of those, what they did is they, they took every major life change that there is and they assigned a score to it. And they could calculate from that, it seemed, that based on your score on the number of changes that you've experienced in the last year, the number of transitions, if you will, that you've experienced in the last year, you could give the probability of, of uh, what the probability is that you're going to experience health problems from stress. <laughs> because transition is hard and transition is stressful, but transition is a part of this life. In fact, it may be said accurately that life is transition in some ways. When, when, it, when are we not experiencing transition? Think of all the transitions that you and I have already experienced in our lives. No matter how old we are tonight, we've all already experienced significant transitions. Growing up is a transition. I should know because I'm still experiencing it. School, going through school's transition. Think of all the transitions in school from going from one grade to another and one teacher to another and changing schools and then going to the next level of school. Think of all the transitions in school that you and I experienced. Think of all the transitions in friends, those friends that you had and then you had to say goodbye to those friends and you made new friends and you had to say goodbye to them and they moved away or you went to a different school and you made new friends and Seems like we're always making new friends and there's transitions with friends. Moving, how many of us have moved? Moving is a transition. You don't have to tell those of you who've experienced it tonight what it is to pack up those boxes and leave that place that you finally got used to and sleeping in that bed and those familiar surroundings and going to somewhere new. Moving's a transition. Job transitions, how many of us over the course of life, have experienced different jobs. It's always a stressful change to go to a new job and experience all the newness of that. Marriage is a transition. Can I get an amen on that? We won't get into that. Having children is a transition, not having the first child and then having the second child and then every stage of life that they go through you experience that as well, and it's a new transition not only for the child, but for the parent. You're raising these children, and then they get into adolescence, and then my wife and I are experiencing the brand new transition of raising adult children. We won't get into that. I don't like it. Aging is a transition. No matter where you are, aging, we all experience aging as we move steadily of course, towards the ultimate transition of death. We're experiencing death, transition. I propose to you tonight that even this camp meeting, even in this camp meeting, we're experiencing transition. As we look at 148 years, this camp meeting, how many transitions have we experienced in this camp? We were reminded in the memorial service of the transitions of loved ones we've said goodbye to, and yet God has brought new ones, new friends and new family in Christ. Over the years, the transitions in leadership, the transitions in, we don't stay intense anymore. <laughs> There's gonna be transitions ahead for Camp Psyker. We're all getting ready either tomorrow or Sunday or Monday to experience the major transition of going home. Life is transition. I say to you tonight that one of the things I became aware of that I guess I never thought of in this way before is the way in which Jesus himself experienced transitions. Never struck me before. Of course, we all know it. We know it in our creeds. We all believe tonight that Jesus was absolutely 100% fully God. Amen? And we believe at the same time that Jesus was absolutely 100% fully man. The Hebrew writer tells us that in Hebrews 4.15 where he says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us for he was tempted at all points as we are yet without sin. Jesus came, became one of us, truly one of us forever, I might add. And by becoming one of us, Jesus 
experienced and experiences the transitions that you and I experience. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus had to grow up? Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus was not dropped in a manger as a teenager? Jesus didn't look up at his mother Mary while she was changing his diaper as a toddler or as an infant. He didn't look up at his mother in full man voice and say, no worries, mom, I've got this. Jesus experienced transition. Luke records in Luke 2.52 that Jesus, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. That's a transition. He learned. The Hebrew writer again in Hebrews 5.8 says, he learned, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That's transition language. He experienced change in his life. Think of his humanity, his life at home, his ministry. Think of all the ways that Jesus experienced transition. You understand that after Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, that Joseph and Mary then consummated their marriage and and they began to have children, biological children, if you will, the half-brothers and sisters of Jesus. Jesus had little brothers and little sisters. You know what that's like? Think about that every time that new sibling was born into the home, that's a, that changes everything. Every time a new family member comes in, it's all different. Can you imagine Jesus? One, he finally got used to that one, and here comes another one. And then here, really, mom and dad, another one? And here, and Joseph and Mary kept having these children, and Jesus experienced all of that. Jesus had to learn the trade of carpentry. Was Jesus a master carpenter at the age of two? I don't think so. He learned carpentry just like all the other boys in Nazareth. Transition. Jesus learned math. Sorry to bring up a sore subject, teenagers. Luke 4 records the amazing call to ministry that he experienced. That after his baptism by the Holy Spirit, Jesus then was led out into the wilderness for these 40 days of temptation where he learned to absolutely desperately depend upon the Father and he came back from that and Luke records in that chapter that he returned in the power of the Spirit and there he began his public ministry. That's transition for you. You ever think about the fact for those of us who have experienced it closely in our lives that Jesus not only experienced, but walked through the aftermath of the death of his earthly father. That's transition. Of course, his own death. And then that resurrection. Transition. In verses 11 to 13 that we read tonight, we see that as Jesus is praying this prayer, as he's on this final night with his disciples, as he's getting ready to prepare for the cross the next day, he's going to be betrayed in just a few short hours from now as they come to get him in the garden. We see in the prayer that Jesus uses language that that expresses to us that even on this night, he realizes that he's in transition even as he speaks. So are you and I. He's in transition. Look at verse 11. He says, Father, now I am no longer in the world. What do you mean, Jesus? We're looking right at you. But that word can also be translated, I am no further in the world. In other words, I'm going no further. There's a change coming. There's a change coming. I'm going to be leaving this world and going to the right hand of the Father. So I'm in a transition Notice that verse 12 emphasizes that he was with them. And in the Greek, that tense indicates that, oh, it was a long period of time, but it was just a period of time that Jesus has been with them in person. But now there's a transition coming. He's leaving and he's gonna send his spirit in his place after the cross and the resurrection and the ascension. And then in verse 11 and in verse 13, he makes a similar statement. He says, I am coming to you, Father. I am, verse 11, I am coming to you. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you. And the emphasis in the Greek grammar is that I'm on the way. I'm on the way, Father. Transitions. But Jesus isn't the only one in transition in this scene. You know who else is in transition? The disciples. Think about it. Think about the fact that they'd been with Jesus for for these two to three years. I mean, think about being with him 24-7. Think about 
what he sounds like when he snores. Think about, I don't know if he did or not. Think about what he eats. Think about that they were with him all the time. Think about that there he was. We could reach on and touch him while he's sleeping over there. Think about the fact that they listened to him and they, they were just with him all the time. And think about the fact that now he's telling them, guys, I'm leaving and I'm going to the Father. But that's a big change for them. And they don't understand and they're confused and, and they're kind of going, what? And what, really? What in the world is happening? What is, this is change, this is transition, this is stressful, what? Sounds like me in my transitions. What? What's happening here, right? And it was hard and it was stressful for them. But that's why he said words like he did back one chapter earlier in chapter 16 where he says in, that, in those wonderful words, chapter 16, verse four, he says, these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But, verse 6, chapter 16, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. That's the way it is with change. Imagine how they felt. That's why Jesus could say words like he did, those beautiful words in chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Because it was. Their hearts were troubled. My heart's troubled with change. My heart's troubled with transition. How about you? He repeats that in chapter 14, verse 27, where he says those beautiful words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's how I feel. Feel afraid. Feel scared. I feel uncertain in transition. But... Life in this world tonight involves transition and change, but there's good news in this prayer in chapter 17. There's a few things that you and I can know tonight beyond a doubt about transition that I've, I've learned from this prayer that I've never learned before. One of those things is this. I'd like to just share three of them with you tonight briefly. One is this. We're gonna go through transition, all right? But hear this. Jesus has gone before us and he knows the way. He's gone before us and he's come back for us to take us through whatever transition you're experiencing tonight, it doesn't matter. Jesus has gone ahead, he knows the way, he is the way, and he's come back to be with us and to take us through. Again, I love, I wish... I'm a, little, I'm a little scared tonight to teach too much on Hebrews. But it, that Hebrew writer says in chapter 2, verse 10, he says something extremely important in, in Hebrews 2.10. He says about Jesus, it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make, listen to what the Hebrew writer calls Jesus, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. You hear what he calls Jesus? He calls Jesus the captain of their salvation. In Greek, the word captain can mean the founder, the originator, or the one who's gone first. The trailblazer, the pioneer. You understand tonight about Jesus? He's been through death to the other side He's alive, he's come back for us to take us through. He is our pioneer. He is the captain of our salvation. This idea of him being the first is not uncommon in scripture. Paul uses it very significantly in a couple places, such as Romans 8.29, and also in Colossians 1.18. Romans 8.29, hear the word. He says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, this is us, to be conformed to the image of his son that he, Jesus, might be, listen, he's the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn. You know what it means when you're the firstborn? That means you're not an only child. Get it? 
If I'm an only child, I'll say, I'm the firstborn. Well, where's the others? He's the firstborn. In other words, there's going to be more to follow. That's us. Even more clear in that incredible Colossians passage. I want to study Colossians sometimes. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, where it says this even more clearly. Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. He's the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. In other words, he's been resurrected from the dead, but guess what? He's only the firstborn because there's a lot more to follow, and that's you and I. In other words, this tonight again. He knows the way. He is the way through every transition, including death, and he's come back for us to take us through by his spirit. Isn't it always helpful to have somebody who's been there before? You know what I mean? You go into a new situation or you go to a new place and you've got this person right there with you and they're able to say, no worries. I've been there. I know the way. I got this. Just stick with me. I say to you tonight, we're all going to go through transition. But be comforted tonight to know this. He knows the way and he is the way. Amen. Secondly, Not only is he the captain of our salvations who's been there, he's gone through death to the other side, come back for us to take us into the glorious resurrection through death, through every transition that we can ever experience in life. Not only that, but all the way along, he's with us. We're not alone in our transitions, are we? This Jesus, this person, He's alive, and by his spirit coming to live in us, he is with us through it all. That, that's these, these chapters in, in John, these middle chapters, John chapter 14, 15, 16. Doug and I have been having conversations about chapter 15. Wherever David Daw is tonight, we've been having these conversations about these passages of John. And the whole message is to abide in him and he in us. In other words, Christian life is not me living on my own. Hallelujah. It's him with me and in me. I'm never alone. I'm not alone when I go to sleep at night. I'm not alone when I go to school in a few weeks or a week or two. I'm not alone when I drive home to Tennessee tomorrow on Sunday evening. I'm not alone when I make my next trip. Even though my family might not be with me, I'm not alone. And especially in the transitions, he says, you guys, the message is you are not alone because I am with you in it all. It's about relationship. But of course tonight, it was a stressful time for the disciples. They were stressed out. Jesus was leaving. All they, could, all they could see in their mind, all they could hear was this idea. No, well, no, Jesus, don't go. No, no, no. We want you here. Hey, we want, we want to stay with you forever. And he's saying, you don't understand, guys. There's a shift coming. There's a transition. And he says these words back in John chapter 14, if you hear these tonight. He's explaining this transition and this, he's trying to get them to understand how this is all gonna work. And he says this in chapter 14, verses 18 and 19, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And the disciples are looking back at him going, wait a minute, Lord, you just told us you're leaving, but you're not really leaving. Like exactly how does this work? Can you please explain this anymore, Jesus? We don't exactly know how you can not be here, but really be here. And of course, you and I know tonight the answer of that is what? It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends his spirit to live within us. The Christian life is about being indwelt by his spirit. And you say, well, I thought Jesus lives in our hearts. We, we talk in vacation Bible school or Sunday school to our smallest ones. And we say, hey, little Johnny, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? And little Johnny does. Says, Jesus, will you come into my heart? And he say, what, what, did we tell him a lie? Because Jesus is right now still at the right hand of the Father. And he's going to come back someday. But he's there. But we told little Johnny that Jesus is in his heart. But the truth of that is... Who came into his heart? The Holy Spirit. Who Paul calls in Romans 8, verses 9 through 11, the Spirit of Christ. 
You understand tonight that the Trinity operates, the triune God operates in such closeness and the role of the Holy Spirit so significant, according to John, if you look at chapter 14 and 16, that having the Holy Spirit inside of you is like having Jesus with you. That's why he said to the disciples, I'm not gonna leave you. Now, wait a minute, you're leaving. Oh, I am, but I'm gonna send my spirit. In fact, in chapter 16, he says, it's to your advantage to go away because if I don't go away, the helper, the spirit cannot come. But if he comes, man, he's gonna come to live inside of you. And man, you guys think it's been good to be with me 24-7? Wait till you check out having me in you. Whole different deal. And this Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper, what's he gonna do? He says in chapter 14, verse 26, this helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Wow, having the teacher inside of you, you can't beat that. The teacher's gonna live in me. You mean he's gonna be able to talk to me from the inside? You mean he's gonna be in my brain? You mean he's gonna be in my hands? I mean, he's just gonna be into my consciousness. This teacher, he's gonna be inside of you. He will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all things. Really? Jesus is gonna be my post-it notes? Amazing. Chapter 16. I don't mean to go on tonight, but it's just so amazing. Chapter 16, Jesus said in verse 14, he, the spirit, will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and he will make it known to you. In other words, the bottom line tonight, everybody, is as you and I go through whatever transition we're going through, number one, he's already gone ahead and he knows the way and he is the way. And secondly, we are never alone doesn't matter what your transition is tonight, doesn't matter how stressful, doesn't matter the upheaval of it, doesn't matter how frightening it is, he will be with us and in us every second of the way. But thirdly, he knows the way, he is the way, he'll be with us. But thirdly, my favorite thing, <laughs> this is just my favorite thing. Jesus is our connection in the transition. He's our connection. He's what holds everything together. Notice in verse 11 in the prayer, John 17, 11, it's interesting in the Greek, it looks like, uh, what's interesting is all the first phrases are connected in the Greek by and. And I am no longer in the world, and these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. See, I, in our world, everything, see, when we have transitions, it's like everything's disconnected. I was there, now I'm here, I will be there. There was that, there is this, there will be this. Everything's disconnected. But what Jesus does is this whole thing of I've been with them, now I'm here, but I am coming to you, Father. It's like all of it is connected in Jesus. In fact, everything in verse 12 and 13, he says, it, it gives a picture of what he's been doing for them and what he's, is all about what he's going to do in them and for the future. It's all about connection. See, what's hard for me in transitions and changes is that I'm afraid of the disconnect. I, I get afraid I get afraid of the loss. I get afraid of the disconnect. See, I, I, I've gotten used to something. I've gotten used to someone. I've gotten used to some situation. And you say, oh, now it's time for change. And oh, we're going through transition. And what scares me, what causes me stress in the change is I'm afraid that the transition or change is gonna cause me to lose connection with what I held dear. You know what I mean? I don't wanna lose connection with that person. I don't want to lose connection with what means something to me. I don't want to lose connection with what was so dear to me. It's all about the disconnect. But you understand tonight, in Jesus, what he's saying is, Jesus brings connection to it all. See, the Jesus who was back here, and the Jesus who's now, and the Jesus who will be, is all the same Jesus, amen? You guys all know Hebrews 13, eight. Jesus Christ, say it with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
You guys know, I've already quoted this week, James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't change. It looks like everything changes, but wouldn't it be something if it's the same Jesus through it all? See, I, I, I cherish something in the past. There's an experience. There's something in my present I don't want to lose. There's a connection. There's a relationship. There's something that's dear to me. There's something that means a lot to me. And I say, oh man, there's something in my past. There's something in my present. And I'm afraid of losing it. But what if this tonight? Can I propose this? What if what was good back then was Jesus and what if it's what's good now is Jesus? And what's gonna be good is Jesus. And Jesus is what's good, and Jesus is what provides the connection. Hebrews 1.3 says, it is him who upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17 says, I love this verse, he, Jesus, is before all things, and I love this, hear this, and in him, all things consist. In other words, he holds it all together. To borrow my wife's phrase, Jesus is our glue. I like that. Jesus is the glue. Because I feel like my life's falling apart and I'm going through transition and I'm scared to death of losing. And that's what makes transition hard is I'm afraid of losing what meant a lot to me or losing the connection with that. And what, what if? What made it so good was Jesus and the Jesus who was good back there and whatever to me was the good old day. What if that's the Jesus? Everything that's good now is Jesus. And if that's true tonight, beloved, if it was Jesus then that was good, everything that was good was him. And if everything good now is Jesus, we got a lot to look forward to because it's the same Jesus. And it's gonna be even better no wonder Paul says he's gonna do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. Can I ask you tonight what transition in your life is hard? What's the difficult transition going on in your life tonight? And I find in my life, my temptation is to try to hold on to something. You know what I mean? You ever do that? You probably don't. I tend to hold on. I tend to say, no, no, I don't want to lose what was good. No, I don't want to lose what is good. No, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I don't want to lose connection. And so for me, I tend to hold on. But what if tonight the answer is not to hold on? What if the answer is it's him? And the answer tonight for my transition is don't try to hold on to that. Press into him. Press into him that whole abiding thing, abide in him. I mean, I'm talking about whatever, however you need to, whatever you understand that, just press into Jesus, just lean into him, just seek into him tonight, just go after him, just look at him like never before, just absolutely lean into Jesus because the answer tonight for my transitions is him because he's gone before. And he knows the way through this, and he is the way. And he is ever present with us tonight. Through whatever I'm going through, he will be ever present inside me. And he, the Holy Spirit, his spirit within me will be the provision of everything that I need. And he's the glue that's gonna hold it all together. Yesterday, today, and forever. So press into him. I don't need to hold on, because guess what tonight? He's already holding on to me. He's holding on. Do you feel something joyous about that at all? Do you kind of feel like, maybe I can make it. <laughs> maybe this transition won't be as awful as I think. Maybe I can smile or sing, and that's exactly what Jesus was praying for, for you and me. Did you notice at the end of verse 13, he says, that, that's a purpose statement, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That's what he's praying for, that you would have joy in this, joy in the transition, yeah. 
Because he knows the way and he is the way. And he's going to be with us through the whole thing. And he's the glue that holds it all together because what was good is him. And what is good is him. And what's going to be good is him. Not the thing, not the situation. It was him in the situation. So you can have joy, this incredible joy. Notice that the joy is not just happy feelings. Notice that the joy is not just emotions. Notice that he says, my joy. Whoa, his joy. Jesus' joy. In fact, in the Greek it says, my fulfilled joy. Like that's really big joy. Jesus' joy is a pretty big joy. And in the transition, I can have his fulfilled joy. Whoa. Not just a little bit of joy. You know that thing Peter talks about? He says, though you've not seen him yet, I don't know if we believe this or not. I don't know if I believe this or not, even though we sing it in the hymnal. Peter says, though you've not seen him yet, you rejoice with a joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's a lot of joy that you can have in the transition. In fact, the word fulfilled here, Jesus says, oh, that my joy, my fulfilled joy may be in them. I love that word fulfilled. Um, In the Greek, it is a word that means to fill something up and especially to fill, you guys will like this, to fill something full of food. In fact, I would go a step further, and one of the translations of this word is, you're gonna like this even more, to gorge. You ever gorge yourself on food? Come on, this is a picture of Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Anybody been there? You know what I mean. You ate one too many of what you should have eaten, and then you ate a little bit too much of that, and a little too much of that, and you are absolutely, you know what I mean? You've been there? Anybody been there? You are gorged. You are full. You are like, please, nobody even touch me right now. You know what I mean? I can't move. Full, fulfilled. That's what he talks about with joy. That your joy in the transition, in the transition, yes, would be, would be full. And I feel like that's why he says stuff like he said in 1511. I'll finish up soon. That's, when he, that's what he said in 1511. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That's why he says what he says in chapter 16, verse 22. He says, you now have sorrow. Yeah, transitions are hard and stressful. You have sorrow, but your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. Joy. And I'm looking back at him saying, Really, Jesus, in transitions, you're, you're saying to the disciples, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this, they're losing you, they think. In the middle of, they're just kind of at a loss going, what, what in the world is happening? And you're saying to them that their joy may be full because Lord, transitions are hard, transitions are stressful. Life is transitions, but can I say to you tonight, as, a guy, as I ask Grace and Ron to help, come and prepare to help. Can I say to you tonight, everyone, Jesus has transformed life. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus has transformed transitions. And I say to you tonight on the authority of God's word, Jesus is the way tonight. He knows the way and he is the way, whatever you're going through. And tonight, he, whatever it is, wherever he's taking us, wherever he's, whatever is happening, wherever it's going, and by the way, he is in charge tonight. He has a plan. He's with us and he's in us and he's gonna be the provision of everything we need every step of the way. And thirdly, He's our glue, he's the connection. The same Jesus that was with me there, the same Jesus that's been with me now, the same Jesus that held it all together, that's the same Jesus that's gonna be there then. And everything, it wasn't the situation that was good, it was him. Oh, I thought it was a situation, but what was really good was him. And he's good now, isn't he tonight, beloved family? Is God good tonight? (laughs) And is God going to be good? 
And is he the same tonight, yesterday, today, and forever? Same God, same glory, same Jesus, the connection of it all. What's your transition tonight? Can I invite you tonight in a moment to press into Jesus? To press in? People who know me know that Casting Crowns is just about my favorite singing group. And they sing a song that says, just be held. It says this, so when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. I'm on the throne, he says. I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. What's your transition tonight? Students, what's your transition? What's stressful? What's hard? What's your transition tonight? What's the changes? What's God taking you into that? I don't know what's happening, God. Adults tonight, families tonight, camp meeting family tonight. What's churches? What's, what's the transition tonight? We got lots of transitions happening in our family. I don't like it. But tonight, Jesus is the way. And he's gonna be with us. And he's the glue that holds it all together. Can I invite you tonight, instead of holding on, anybody here tonight that says, I'm, I'm tired of holding on, I hold on and I hold on and I hold on, and tonight, I just wanna come and just fall into Jesus. I wanna just come and lean into Jesus tonight and let him hold on to me. Ron's gonna lead us. No big pressure tonight. I just know that I'm not the only one in transition tonight. And I'm inviting you tonight come to an altar for the simple purpose of just I'm not holding on anymore but tonight I just want to lean in I'm just coming down here tonight because I just want to lean in teenagers moms and dads grandmas and grandpas adults of all ages tonight I just coming to lean in I'm just coming to be held because I needed Jesus tonight who's going to take me through this transition yeah and he will very simply tonight while Ron leads us would you slip out and come? If you can't kneel, maybe you can sit on the front row. Or tonight, if you need him tonight, if you need to lean into him tonight, if you need to abide like you've never abided tonight, and just lean into Jesus. Maybe you just raise your hand tonight to say to him, I need you. I'm leaning into you. I'm pressing into you tonight. I'm pressing in. Or maybe you'd want to stand to your feet somewhere tonight and say, I just want to before everybody tonight, Jesus, I want to press into you. He's ready for you. Would you come? While Ron leads us. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions. They fail not as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. in there 
mercy and love, O oh, grace, thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. sing verse 3 again. Let's sing. Pardon for sin. And here it is. And a peace that in. And here's his connection. Thy own dear presence to cheer and to the same yesterday, today, and forever. Strength for to Blessings are ours. Blessings all mine. With, can we stand and sing about the Lord's presence and faithfulness in our life? Great is Father, we thank you for good news for people living in transition, all of us that are breathing tonight. To thank you that you are neither surprised or anxious about our transitions, even though we so often are both and fearful. And thank you for the good news tonight. And I pray that, that you'd help us even in these closing moments for some that are still holding on, still fearful, still anxious to choose to step towards you, to lean into you, to trust in you, that we might grab a hold of the promise that not only can we survive in our transitions, but we can thrive because you are with us, you are in us, you've gone before us, you show us the way, you hold us together. And on top of all that, you fill us with joy. God, make that the reality of our lives, even as we come near the end of this encampment. 
that we would not be fearful or anxious, but grabbing a hold of you, leaning into you, perhaps better to say being held by you as we abide with you. God, fill us with hopeful confidence and strength and courage and joy because of who you are, who you have been, who you are in this moment, who you always will be in the transitions we face. We worship you, God, our God who does not change. We pray these things. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.